Hi, hello, it's Vin. Thank you so much for listening to the Vin and Ali show. We've created something that we're really excited about and we want to share it with you. It's called Recalibrate. It's a 12-step process that helps you create more clarity and more alignment in your life. It's the exact approach that both Ali and I have been using to live happier lives and to achieve all of our wildest dreams in the last seven years. It's been crazy. Being one of our loyal listeners, we wanted to share a special something with you. Visit recalibrate.online forward slash Vin and Ali to access the course for 70% off. I hope you will check it out. Anyway, let's dive into this episode. Hey everyone, welcome to the Vin and Ali show where in this particular episode, we're going to be speaking about Will Smith's new book. I remember the way I was exposed to this was a friend of mine named Michael sent me a text and said, you got to check out this YouTube series by Will Smith. It's called The Greatest Shape of My Life. And I immediately heard him say that and went, is he trying to sound fat? Yeah. Right? And then I, I checked out the series. Has not much to do with weight loss. I immediately texted to you. Yeah. And then you finished the series before I even do. Mm. Such a great series that led us to then getting the book. Yep. And I seriously think it's such it's one of the greatest book launch campaigns ever, that YouTube series. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't seen it yet, definitely check out uh, Greater Shape of My Life by Will Smith on YouTube. Fantastic. Now, to give a little bit of context for this episode, this is a memoir for Will Smith. And he writes down all of the key stories in his life that has made up this man we all know as Will Smith. So when was the first time you were exposed to Will Smith? Yeah, so the first time I saw him was Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, probably nine, ten years old. <laughs> we're laughing because this is our third take <laughs> this episode. Look, we, we, we said, we said straight, that we weren't going to mention this and you mentioned it. It's you, like, I thought okay. you'd at least Look, we, change the structure <laughs> of the opening question, and it's so boring talking about how we first heard about Will Smith. Well, we, we have to give people context, okay? Oh, are you playing I, a practical joke? I, <laughs> <laughs> no, all right, let's put it out there. So we 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 recorded a podcast for an hour, for an hour. And then we started to look at some of the live comments that were coming through because we no live stream these. No sound. And then, yeah, I had to look closer. I was like, hey, hang on a second. It says, it says no sound. And then we realized we've been recording yeah. for an hour with no sound. So, look, now that it's out there, now I can't follow the same no, path anymore. No, so, thanks uh, for that. I'm not right? allowing that. <laughs> it's not the same. It's a completely different episode. Well, well okay. Look, one of the best ways to approach a book like yeah. this, if we want to do a podcast mm. on it and really talk about the lessons, yeah is let's just dive into some of the key stories that are different that have inspired us. Yeah. Now, I have the ability to talk about the same thing more than once. Yeah. Okay? You yeah. don't have that ability. I, I tried. <laughs> I tried it, but on the third time, I just couldn't do it. Oh, my God. It's hilarious. Oh. All right. Well, well, I'm going to dive into this podcast, whether you like it or not. I'm going to repeat what I said on okay. the first podcast. So I think, here we go. One of the things that I really like about what you just said in the opening there, Okay. The promotional campaign. Yeah, that was awesome. And what he launched with. Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. touch on that. Okay. We did do that in the other two takes. Okay, okay. Right. Okay. I love so one of the things that Will Smith breaks down in the book mm-hmm. is he talks about how he promoted his movies. Mm-hmm. 
and the global um, tours, the, the global tours, yeah, the interviews. Mm-hmm. And I think he was at a party and he saw uh, Planet Hollywood launch. He saw Arnold Schwarzenegger, Bruce Willis, and maybe Slice Stallone. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, he yeah. Walks yeah. up and he's like, "Hey guys, how how do I become you?" Yeah, and I think Arnold turns around. And he's like. You have to be global. <laughs> yeah, like, that, that oh, sounds German. I, you, you <laughs> I can't do it. Get to the chopper. <laughs> yeah, that's, I can't say anything you else in that global. accent. <laughs> I can't say anything else. I have to say those exact words. Yeah, I think for the first time ever, yeah. mine was horrible, but it was yeah. still slightly better than yours. <laughs> Debatable. Debatable. Yeah, by, yeah I don't by, think people uh, agree by, with you, yeah, but okay, sure, whatever right. you want to think. Yeah, I think, I think it was good. Okay. Uh, okay. So anyway, Arnold tells him that you need to be international. Right. And then I love how he's always deconstructed the playbook. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just about making a good movie. Mm-hmm. And if you look through his narrative, it's about, okay, well, how do we actually get this out to the, the most people? Yeah. And this was before The <clears throat> Rock, before Kevin Hart. And I think back then the only person that was doing it like this was Tom Cruise. So he kind of duplicated Tom Cruise's approach. Right, yeah, I remember this now. And he's like, all right, Tom Cruise is obviously a cyborg because his schedule is nearly impossible. Yeah. How he does his promotion. Mm-hmm. But then he's like, okay, this is cool because in America we can open and we can make 300 million. Mm. And then 90 million comes from Germany, 40 million comes from Canada, mm-hmm. 50 million comes there. And he then devises playbooks. So I think that's really cool that you've got an artist like this, but then who also has the entrepreneurial sort of foresight. Yeah. Not only am I just not going to be just the average movie star, how can I make it better? Yeah. And then you're now looking at even with this book, and I'm guessing he broke it down. He's like, okay, well, there's the average way mm. to launch a book. Yeah. Or I can do a YouTube series yeah. that is about me potentially losing weight, but ultimately it's him going through chapters of his book yeah. and sharing that so you want to go and buy the book. Well, that we, right. we've, we immediately were victims of his marketing campaign. Straight away. Yeah. So very cool that he tries to look beyond the game. And I just think that- With strategy. As a starting point. And it reminded me a lot of you because Mm. I know even when you were building your keynote career, yeah, you didn't just say, okay, I'm just going to create a good keynote. What did you do? Well, I knew that I had to find a manager Mm. because I knew that I needed to pick someone- that was, first of all, someone that I really wanted to work with, someone that I liked, that I really vibed with, yeah. but then also someone who had connections. Because if I relied on my own connections, I didn't have any. Mm. So I needed to work with someone who had connections. So then when I looked at it from a strategic point of view, I remember looking up the International Association of Speaker Bureaus. And I realized that one of the past presidents of the International Association of Speaker Bureaus was a manager that I really wanted. But I thought, how powerful is this? Because if you go for the current president, how many people are trying to email them? Let's go for the past president. And then if I could get her to manage me, because she was the past president, she knows all the bureaus. She's going to have such crazy influence and be able to get me in the door, have a coffee with all these bureaus. And that's basically, you know, long story short, that's exactly what happened. She came out to all the bureaus with me. We flew to Chicago. We flew to San Diego. We flew to we flew all over the United States. And I met with all these speaker bureaus that then got my foot in the door and then kickstarted my career in a way that I would have never dreamed of. So that that was definitely powerful. So I think 
not just blindly doing something and then crossing your fingers and hoping for success. I think really sitting there and devising a strategy, which is something you're also very good at. I think in this book, it highlighted how smart Will Smith was because, I mean, he didn't come up with a strategy, but he looked at the best in the world at the time was Tom Cruise and then modeled him. Yeah. There's another part within the book as well where him, and I think it's JL, who's his manager, is sitting there and they're looking at, they literally went through every, I think the top 10 box office hits and then they deconstructed, well, what do they look like? And they found that the the real writing theme was Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey. Oh, yeah. So if you look at Star Wars, you look at all the top action movies, there's a hero that has a transformation mm. and they overcome a challenge. And then they were breaking it down. And then I think JLE's manager actually then went and then studied every single screenplay. Yeah. And that was part of their screening process is that Will Smith will only do roles that, that follows a certain formula with the hero's journey. But you also have to acknowledge the fact that, you know, reading this book mm. made me realize that Will Smith wasn't self-made. Yeah. Whereas I thought he was self-made. Yep. But hitting on that point, who can truly say that they're self-made? Yeah, I don't think anyone can. I don't think anyone can. But the illusion that Will Smith was self-made yeah. was one that I yeah. f- fell for. So when I saw that he wasn't self-made, it humanized him to the max for me. Okay, so back to the point about JL. We'll come back to self-made. I do like that. Okay, you do like that? Okay, but I want to stick on to the point you were talking about for a second. The whole point of that, his manager going out, studying it, and then reading every script and then saying no to some, is that if Will Smith said yes to every movie script that came his way, he wouldn't have had that insane movie blockbusting career trajectory that he had. Mm. Knowing when to say no and knowing when to say yes, that is so important. It's, and you relate this to the everyday person. You knowing when to say no to a promotion, you knowing when to say no to a job offer, mm is so critical because if you say yes to everything, you get nowhere. So that's pretty important, man. I mean. And taking the risk on the note, there's an example in the book, I think, where they get a script and they get some crazy offer after the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air where it was for some movie and it was a quick way for him to get $10 million or something like that. Yeah. And at okay. that point, JL's still living at home. His manager yeah, said to him no. And his manager said no when he gets 15%. Of yeah, that yeah. Oh, that's and right. Yeah, it was 10 million because yeah, he got 1.5 million. 1.5, right? Yeah. And I was like, nah, this isn't the movie that kickstarts this. And he's just like, what? Like, Will's why would we crazy. not take this? This is yeah. ridiculous. And then they waited and then he does six degrees of separation, gets critical acclaim, proves himself as an actor, and then his career skyrockets. Hey, stop for a sec hmm. because here's the thing. Where do you find friends like that? Yeah. Isn't that a powerful friend to have? But also the trust where you've got someone who's largely your friend. Yeah. Who's an unproven manager. Yeah. Telling you to say no to your first big break in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And then you trust them on that. Mm -hmm. And that's a pretty cool recurring theme in his book. Yeah. Is that the majority of people that he surrounded himself, Mm -hmm. he's known for a very long time. Mm. And he calls them, I think, ride or die, where he just has full trust and faith that they're going to do the right thing by him and he backs it in, which is, I think something again, that's very interesting. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. To, yeah. to have people who are aligned, to have people who love and care about you, because I don't think that many managers are like that. I'm very lucky. My manager in my career 
Karen is her name, and and she she really cares about my happiness. Yeah. You know, she will she she will advise me not to take on gigs to protect my happiness. That's amazing. Whereas I, I I think that's actually quite rare. Yeah. Whereas most people will look at one point five million. Yeah, you should do ten of those. Yeah. Mm. And generally, a manager in that game. Like, yeah. If you think about Karen's, if Karen was a different type of person, yeah, it would be let's optimize. You're an asset. Yeah, you need to sell. You need you need to do 400 gigs a year. Yeah, yeah, see yeah. your family. Yeah, every day you're not keynoting is a day that we're losing. Yeah, that's that's right. That's right. So it's it's awesome that you were able to surround yourself with these people. I want to go back also to the strategy that you developed. Mm. How do you create those moves when you're playing a game? Because I know you've done. Well, it I first have to learn ways. the game. Yeah, I have to learn the game first. So what JL Will Smith's manager did yeah. was what I had to do. I didn't have someone who did that for me. So I remember buying a whole bunch of books on the world of keynotes, learning as much as I can about the business model of keynotes. And as I learned more about the keynote world, and I learned more about the formulas that exist in this keynote speaking world, I went, oh, so the key players are the speaker bureaus. You know, then there are professional conference organizers, meeting planners. Ah, okay, so these are all the key players. Okay, so I could either go to one bureau at a time or I could go to one person who could get me to many at the same time. So short answer is the more I educated myself, the better I was able to formulate an intelligent strategy. Whereas when I don't know much about this industry, then I'm playing checkers. But the more I learned, it allowed me to play a more strategic chess game as opposed to playing checkers. Yeah. Right? It feels like you have a natural ability to implement the 80-20 rule. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Okay, you articulated you, that well. And then yeah. you will take your time in finding that really powerful move, but you'll find a key domino move that will make all the other smaller moves irrelevant. But here's what sucks though. In order to identify the 80-20, you have to get 100 pieces. You have to get 100 pieces. You have to consume it all. And you have to consume 80% that's irrelevant, not impactful, and not powerful. And only after you consume everything do you go, oh, I get it now. Another key example in the world of keynote speaking, for example, there's a thing in the keynote world where it's called a a speaker one sheet, where it's a one page PDF about why you should book the speaker, right? I thought you said something completely different. (laughs) (laughs) I think I know what you mean. But there's a one sheet. (laughs) Sheet. Sheet. Yeah. That you could develop. Yeah. And people in the speaking industry, you know, about six, seven years ago when I started, swore by this. You got to have this. You got to have this. This is the most critical piece of marketing for a speaker. Mm-hmm. I learned about it. I went, huh, definitely in the 80 bucket. Yeah. The 80% that will get you 20% of the results. This. Everyone's yeah. doing this. Yeah. But not many speakers went all in on video. Mm. But I realized very early on after I learned about this, I went, no, 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 no. If, if, you, if you're buying a car, right? Let's say you're buying a car that's worth $50,000. Do you want to read a pamphlet yeah. about the car yeah. or do you want to see a video of this car? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I remember just making it that. It sounds so simple. It does sound simple. But then it. to me, same thing with the speaker. Yeah. 
Are words going to show you how brilliant a speaker is? Or I could show you me speaking. <laughs> exactly right. Right? But, it, I mean, it, it, it seems stupid now. Yeah. But I think seven years ago. Video wasn't easy to make. Video wasn't easy to make. It's costly. Dude, the first video trailer that I made cost me $50,000. Yeah. I flew two videographers around with me. I had, I mean, the client... What like gave me a budget to fly business? I didn't fly business. Yeah. I broke that business class ticket up to freaking four seats. We all flew economy, yeah. and then I had gigs cancelled, so I didn't get paid, and I had to pay out of my own pocket. So yeah. look, in the end, my first speaker video that I made ended up costing me nearly over fifty thousand dollars. But then that was the twenty percent that yeah. got me eighty percent of the traction. So I think it's. If you want to win a game like Will Smith did, research the industry. Look at what the best are doing. Learn the 100% so you can identify the 20. That gives you 80% of the results. You know, it's, it's – and, and, and learning and educating yourself, look, I'll be quite frank, it sucks. Yeah. It's slow because the first thing you want to do when you're breaking out into a career is you want to make moves. You want to do things that are fun, but – but really, the first thing you're going to do is sit down. You're going to study. Something interesting there as well. And I want to dig deeper into this, given that it does relate to performance. You took the chance. I know you're not near your mic right now, and I'm about to ask you a question. You took the chance. Like if I was advising you and you're unproven, you haven't got a gig yet, then you're like, you know what I should do? I should invest $50,000 into a video. <laughs> Logically, it doesn't seem like a very good decision. Mm. But when you look at it in hindsight, it's actually genius because you did your 80 – well, actually, you did more like a 95-5 analysis. Yeah. And you found that video was it. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing in your head you confirmed that I'm all in on this video game. But, but, but it's more than just knowing that the video was it. Yeah. I want to give a little bit extra context. Yeah. Okay. Once I learnt the game, I realized that, okay – it doesn't matter if I get the best manager in the world. And I, I don't like using this analogy, but this analogy seems to make sense. My manager has the gun. Mm. If I don't give my manager the ammunition, mm. how the hell is she going to hit the target for me? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So, so to me, I realized that, okay, you need to give your manager the ammunition to help you create yeah. like a lot of impact. A terrible analogy again, but it's just, it's just oh, again, right? That, that, You're that, giving her the tools so she can go and sell you. That's exactly right. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Whereas I could create her a one sheet mm. and that's not going to, I mean, it's, it's, it's like, competing it's like her. sending her into a nuclear fight with a, with a knife. So that's very entrepreneurial though. Yeah. What was, what was everyone's advice at that time when you're saying that I'm going to invest that much money into a video that is, I didn't, life? I didn't tell anyone. You I just, I just did it. Okay. So, because this is where I think the type of thinking when you're sharing with the audience is really important. Mm. You took a chance on something that was quite unconventional with a belief that this would work. Yeah. What was, what was your thought process in terms of, okay, well, I'm now trying something that is uncharted territory. I'm investing a lot in here. Mm-hmm. Cause most people they'll do the sums and be like, maybe I'll do a 50,000 video after I've earned $200,000 in speaking fees. Mm-hmm. I don't think many people, front end it like that. Well, because because I, 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 in a way, understood that I would not 
ever make the 200,000 in speaking fees unless I put 50,000 in the video. Yeah. So were you comfortable that if that No, I wasn't comfortable. I wasn't comfortable. Resulted into nothing. You were just what, what was your backup plan? Didn't have one. Perfect. And see, this is very aligned with something Will Smith says in his interviews. He goes, "Why have a plan B when, when it distracts plan from plan A?" So- right? And and, and this is not to say be stupid. I mean, I didn't spend $50,000 on the video by not understanding the industry, by not yeah. researching the industry, by not understanding what the marketplace is like in the US or Australia with the speaking market. No, no, I, this, this, was, this was an educated an educated bet. And you, had, you knew people that could make a good video. Yeah. Your friends could do that. Absolutely. So you leveraged a few other different strengths, mm-hmm. but then went pretty much all in on a tactic and a move. <laughs> and not to compare myself to Will Smith, yeah. right? Because that's no, just, that's just no. sad, right? Well, because no, I, no, that's just terrible. Yeah. That's a terrible comparison. But one part of Will Smith's story where he did the same thing was his mum pushed him into education. She always pushed him to education because she said, you know, this is the safest route. You, you, you. Even when he, he said, yeah. you know, things like, yo, she would be like, no, it's you all. Yep. Right. So she really valued education. But there was a point in his career where he went, you know what? I'm not going to college. I'm going to become a rapper. Do you remember that? Like where where that. He, yeah. he had that really mm-hmm. tough he conversation to with his mom. It. He had to negotiate it. Yeah. And he took that route. But again, he also, he put in the work. He, he, he found others who had talent, like mm-hmm. I found the videographers. Yeah. He found Jazzy Jeff, yeah. right? And he was able to, like, again, these things aren't, I'm just taking a punt. These were educated decisions that to the untrained eye look like a bet. I love that. I love that notion of when it looks weird to everyone else, you can see it pretty clearly. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really exceptional talent that you've got. You can find these crazy what seem like crazy moves but they're not crazy but they're not crazy they're not crazy yeah, at all yeah. it's only crazy because you didn't do the groundwork so therefore you think it's crazy yeah. well it's magic it's just yeah. no one can see yeah how the trick's done so therefore you make the assumption it's crazy yeah mm. it's so, an illusion it's yeah. not it's actually very straightforward if you looked at the industry the same way I looked at the industry, if you read the books no the same way I read it, if you did the research online about what the top speakers are doing, you would have come to the exact same conclusion with, as me and you would have been comfortable spending $50,000 creating that video. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's cool. Really cool insight. Well, well one thing that I'm going to bring up again that <laughs> will make you feel uncomfortable because okay. you don't like and talking about things now. twice. It's fine. <laughs> we haven't done the same opening three times, so now we're good to go. We can rehash content. <laughs> one, 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 one that I like that I'm going to say again, and, and you won't be able to you tell. Hear about Will Smith? <laughs> I saw him on. Uh, <laughs> hey, no, we didn't say that the first time. We didn't say yeah, that the first time. You didn't rechange that up. Change it a little bit. I did change it a little bit. Okay, but this is a passage that really stood out yeah. to me, and it starts like this: Advice at its best mm. is someone's limited perspective of the infinite possibilities before you. People's advice is based on their fears, their experiences, their prejudices. And at the end of the day, their advice is theirs, not yours. When people give you advice, they're basing it on what they would do, what they can perceive, on what they think you can do. 
But the bottom line is, while yes, it is true that we are all subject to a series of universal truths, patterns, tides, and currents, all of which are somewhat predictable, you, though, are the first time you have ever happened. So I remember very clearly when I was starting out my speaking journey, when I told my Vietnamese parents and the Vietnamese uncles and aunties and my Vietnamese community yeah. that I was going to become a keynote speaker, now, what the hell is the keynote speaker, man? Right? Like they had no idea. Yeah. Like, this is after you've been a magician. Yeah, yeah. This is after <laughs> I've been a magician, yeah. right? Yeah. But to them, the idea of a – like. The words keynote speaker to a Vietnamese, I could have just said, they've never heard of those two words before. And then me trying to explain to them, you know, like, so, so, so what is a keynote yeah. speaker, honey? To me, it was like, um, so I talk <laughs> and then they pay me money. <laughs> and my parents were so disappointed in their son at that point <laughs> yeah. because they just thought, what? You're an idiot. Yeah, this kid is an idiot. He's, and He's going to be unemployed. <laughs> and the point that I'm trying to make here is that their advice at the time was, please don't. Yeah. This is not going to work. Yeah. And, and to them, when I started to explain to them what a speaker was, what a keynote speaker was, to them it was like, look, you're not a Caucasian male. You don't have white hair. Because to them, back when I told them about this, you know, 10 years ago, the the typical archetype for a, a speaker was quite frankly a Caucasian male that's old. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And they're like, that's a hundred percent not you. You're a blonde young Asian male that has yeah. no degree. Yeah. Not possible. Now, looking back, I remember when they said that to me, it crushed me, dude. <laughs> it really did. Yeah. Because I you know, man, I respect what, my parents. I love my parents a lot. What were you expecting them to say? It's <laughs> a really good point. You got me. I mean, I definitely wasn't expecting, okay, no problem, boy. Okay, let's do this, man. Here's $100,000. Here's the you know, money. You should go get Craig and you should give him $50,000 to make him a video. Damn you, Ali. You just... Ruined my whole point. Okay, so I, I did not expect them to support me, but I did not expect them to crush it so yeah. hard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and I didn't have the wisdom that that passage just said. That their opinions are their own, yep. and their advice is pretty much them saying, "Well, heck, I could never do become yeah. a keynote speaker. So surely you can't become a keynote speaker." I never realized that people's advice is heavily based on what they believe is possible for them. Right? Yeah. It's okay. Let, I'll give you another example. I uh, got a TikTok account. You yeah. know this, right? Yeah. And one of my TikTok videos kind of yep. went off. Mm -hmm. And I looked at the comments in that video. And in the video, what I'm saying is, if you're technically brilliant, 10 out of 10 technically brilliant, but your communication skills are 3 out of 10, do you think people will perceive you to be a 10 out of 10 or a 3 out of 10? you're only as good as you can communicate. Yeah. So that video was talking about the importance of becoming a better communicator. You should have seen the comments that were coming through. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this this guy's a he's a empty charlatan. 
Yeah, he's one of those guys that sure, yeah. sure, mate, you're a 10 out of 10 communicator, but you've got one value, right? Like the comments were so oh, really? mean. Oh, dude. I thought you were going to go the other way with no. that. Like, no, 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 no. Loved it no, 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 dude. I will, I will show you this thread later, right? It, it, it wasn't, yeah. I, I didn't post the video. Yeah. Someone else posted yeah. them and tagged me. Yeah. And then as a result of that, I got like 3,000 followers yeah. overnight. But the comments on there were so nasty. <laughs> and but what was really interesting was I viewed it with this new lens mm. is that you, you're saying all of this based on your perception of what communication can do for you. Mm. So you think communication is not important at all. That's why you have that perception. Yeah. Whereas if I didn't have this lens, that, those comments would have hurt me, man. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it's, it's like I now have this extra layer of armor reading that lesson, understanding mm. that, you know what, your opinions are just your own. Yeah. If you don't believe in something that I believe, or it's just because you've had a certain set of life experiences that has led you to a series of beliefs and values that make you think that way. Sure. And we were saying it before. Yeah. Is with advice, you can only take advice from people that have walked that path. Oh, yeah, that's right. Right? Like, mm-hmm. It's very difficult. You know, and the, the example that we were chatting about was it's like when somebody tells Kevin Durant, how to play basketball. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Unless you're LeBron James or Michael Jordan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your yeah. opinion doesn't really count. Yeah. Because if you can't do it better than that person and your advice isn't really constructive. The man in the arena quote. Man in the if arena. you're not in the arena, I'm not interested in your feedback. Yeah. You've, you've got to be so careful. And, and this is the dangerous thing online because there's people giving you feedback all the time mm-hmm. online. You don't know who that person is. That person might just be someone who hasn't done anything with their lives and they're just showing you a bunch of hate and then all of a sudden you're reading that as if it's someone that's in the arena, but really they're not in the arena. I don't know what TikTok's market is, but- It's a big range. Was that like getting promoted to teenagers and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Like this person lecturing them on how to communicate. Yeah, but that's the thing. You don't even know the perspective that the people are then- yeah. coming from so so yeah. be very careful of people's advice yeah because i think there are so many dreams that get crushed before they even yep. before they even blossom before they even had a chance to blossom is that people go no that's not possible because again if i believed in what my parents said and my parents love me man i mean i didn't you know you had a rougher childhood yeah. growing up yeah right i had very supportive parents mm. i mean your mom was very supportive yeah your dad, yeah, not no. so, right? But I had both mum and dad extremely supportive and they still gave me the advice, hey, son, I think you probably should stick to this magic thing because you're actually getting paid a decent yes. amount of money. This keynote speaker thing, but if I listen to that advice, man, dude, I, I wouldn't have had this incredible keynote speaking mm. chapter of my life. Yep. How many people are missing out on incredible chapters in life because of advice from people who are not in the arena? And- as you're saying That's that, sad, I think that it's really scary to share your dreams with people who are going to be naturally oh, skeptical. Yeah. You it, have to be careful who you share your dreams with. Even nowadays, I was so mm. different, even when people come up for advice around entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. I'm super conscious when it's somebody new to the game to tell them the realities of the game. Yeah. You're jaded. Because you've seen a lot. Yeah. And- you know, it's an amazing journey, but you also know that the odds are stacked against you. It's going to be very difficult. Yeah. 
but you don't want to share it like that. So it's like, hey, if that's your dream, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Even the way you said it, you are so jaded. <laughs> no one shared their dreams with Ali. You know, just PSA, don't share your dreams with Ali. We, we had an email the other day and I don't even know whether I should be sharing this or not, but it was like along the lines of I've got this – Actually, it's fine because we get probably one a week. Yeah. Where it's like, I've got this amazing idea. Mm. Just want you to sign an NDA and then I'd love to catch up and then share it with you. And before it was really hard to respond to these, but now the stock's down responses, I highly recommend that you don't share it because if it's good, I will steal it and I will get people <laughs> to invest in it. Oh my God. <laughs> because. That's the thing. People overvalue ideas without wow. any execution. And yeah. generally these emails are assuming that that idea is so good yeah. without actually outlining it where the correct approach is, hey, I've got this idea. This is it outlined. Mm. I've seen what you do. Mm. I think it will work. Why don't we connect and see if there's an opportunity here? Mm. Whereas I think that's a really big mistake where people are like, oh, someone is going to Steal, like we're not going to steal the idea and all that, but it's just more the fact around, well, we're not also going to do a dance to, it's like, I've got a secret. Do you want to, <laughs> can I tell you it? But again, it, it's one of those moves where it's like, okay, there's, there's maybe an alternative way yeah. to approach it. And that's just more around approach when you go in the sort of little tangent on the side. But yeah, I think, again, I go back to the way that you go about it. Mm. Super strategic. And even when I've seen the best reach outs, mm. it's always around how can you present value? Mm. And you can show that up front. And I think that's a really key lesson in what we've been discussing so, so far mm. is uh, provide value up front. Yeah. Take a couple of risks and chances. Yeah, absolutely. Where you're a little bit vulnerable. Yeah. You might lose <clears throat> a little bit, but that means that you've got skin in the game. Yeah. And I think. Again, I'd love to get Karen's response when you were talking about that story. But she probably was like, wow, this is something that I'm also going to invest in. And the reason maybe why she still invests in your happiness is because you've also always invested and taken some chances Mm. on helping that growth. So there's, yeah, it's equal. There's a really good exchange of value there. So just a really cool lesson is give the value up front. There's maybe power in front ending. Take advice from people that have been in the arena. You've got to be so careful with that. And protect your dreams. Yeah, protect your dreams. I think it's as great that you had enough uh, conviction and belief in that dream. And I I resonate with that as well because for me, a lot of the times if I've got an idea, I don't think I'm actually asking for advice. I'm more just spitballing and thinking the idea out loud. Like I already know whether I'm going to do it or not. Mm. I don't think there's any real way that somebody can sway me in or out. It's more just how does this hit? Yeah, I'm, you're I'm, looking for a soundboard. Just looking for a soundboard. Yeah, right? you're not really looking for advice. It's just a soundboard. It's, it's just kind of like, let's freestyle this let's idea. Let's freestyle so I can get mm. it out. It's nearly like a way of verbal journaling of your idea to just say, okay, how's that person react? What does it sound like when I say it out loud? Yeah. Does it still feel strong to me? Yeah. So I think there's also power when somebody's skeptical. But in your head, know that their opinion it's still about you. Like you said, what is the end of the quote? You have, you only get to live you once. Yeah. So if you believe in something. And you're the first time that you have, has come around. Yeah, that's right. You have ingredients you that need, others don't have. Need to live you're it. unique. Yep. Yeah. We spoke about this one in, in episode version one of this as well. 
I, I love that you're so uncomfortable with repeating yourself that anything you say that you've said already, you have to preface it with, like I said before, like I said before. <laughs> it's like, dude, no one knows that we've had this conversation, but you're just so awkward with it. You can't help it. That's just not a trained, Not a trained performer at well, all. Well, yeah. If I was a keynote speaker, I would change it up every single time <laughs> in the fear that that one person in the audience had seen it before and I wouldn't want them to think that I'm just doing see, the same thing over well, and over again. Let, 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 me, let me tell you the yeah. value of this, okay? Because this is quite an interesting point. Because for a keynote speaker, we have a few, we have a few keynote tracks yeah. and we have to deliver the same talk often over and over again, especially if you write a really good talk. Yeah. You have to deliver that that's now many times. Well, that's your song. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, well, what, one yeah. of the metaphors, I remember having a problem with this too when I was first starting out my keynote speaking career. I would say to a lot of my mentors, you know, like, man, I, I should craft a new speech every time I speak. Like, that's the most valuable thing I can do. And he goes, no, 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 no. You have to change the way you think. Do you think Adele gets paid quarter of a million dollars to sing one song that she wrote last night? <laughs> no, 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 no. She gets paid a million dollars to sing a song that she's sung thousands of times. There is value in repetition. There is value in polish. Yeah. And the fact that we've actually had this conversation a couple of times, you know, this podcast, right? Have more comfort in it because we've now refined the thoughts. If people actually heard the version 1.0, and this is us stepping out on limb again, the first 10 minutes was rambling. Yeah. Me saying something, you saying something. Yeah, I'm like, I'm so confused by what you're saying. We're like sitting there, it's like, do we touch? Are we too far away? Yeah, like, it, was, <laughs> it was so awkward. Yeah. So I, I, I wanted to take <laughs> this moment to, to share a live kind of in-person yeah. lesson mm. with you cool. in that there is so much value in refinement. Yeah. True. That's why such a big value of mine is version 1.0, mm. version 2.0. I mean, again, I always do things before I'm ready. And I think that's something that Will Smith does as well. It's like this, this chance meeting that Will Smith had with Quincy Jones. Yep. Do you remember this? Yep. So Quincy Jones, he met Quincy Jones, and you tell the story. Mm, yeah. You tell it. Yeah, so he meets Quincy Jones. It's Quincy Jones's birthday party. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, can you act? He's like, yeah, sure. Because he's always assuming that if anyone ever asks him a question, yeah, I can Say do yes it. and work it out. That's default. <clears throat> yes, I can do this. Yeah, Will Smith says it. Quincy says, okay, in 10 minutes, we're going to do an audition. You know, move the furniture, go and prepare. Because he's got all the key stakeholders. He's Everyone's got directors, there. producers, NBC, all at his birthday. All the decision makers, the lawyers, they're all there at the party. Yeah. And then Will Smith's like, I don't know about this. Yeah. He's never acted before this. Never acted. He's only a rapper before this. Yeah. And then he's in Quincy Jones's office and he's like looking at pictures of Michael Jackson oh, and Oprah yeah. Winfrey and all of these people. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, how about we do it, you know, in a week's time? Mm. And Quincy Jones is like, yeah, we can do it in a week's time, but blah, 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 won't be here because he'll have his kids' soccer practice. He's like, okay, let's do it in two weeks' time. Mm. He's like, okay, well, then thinking we'll go there and there'll be a new show. There'll be other people trying to present for this opportunity. And then the message at the end of it was, look, if you don't do it right now, all the yeah. key decision makers are here, mm. you're going to miss this opportunity. So you're ready to step up. And he's like, all right, goes, smashes it out. Amazing. And then that's how they get the pilot for that's how they get the Fresh pilot. Prince of Bel-Air. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. He's got, like Quincy Jones, got lawyers there. Yeah, they actually right. had lawyers that they signed lawyers documents like, on the very night. lawyer right now, what? signs the contract, gets the deal happening. That, that story highlighted something really deep 
that I think we we didn't explore. Let's explore this. Because what that's saying is there are opportunities that come along that if you miss it, it's gone. I know there are opportunities like that, that if I, okay. So I remember this one opportunity where I had a speaking event in LA and that's when I was, still in Australia and a client goes, Hey, are you available for a keynote on Friday? I'm like, Oh yeah, I can. Yeah. No worries. I'm already in LA. So it's all good. <laughs> Had to literally get on a flight, fly to LA. It was a Wednesday. Keynote was on like a Friday. Luckily, luckily America is kind of, you know, a day yeah. in the past. So I was <laughs> able to get there in time. Yeah. And I was so scared, dude. But that was an opportunity where first gig in the U S I could fly Karen out to see me speak for the first time. I could fly other speaking agents to come out and speak and see me. If I didn't take that shot, ready or not, I would have missed out on the opportunity. And and I think of this, I think so many people have these opportunities that occur, but because the fear of not being perfect and then thinking, it's okay, I'll I'll take it next year. I'll 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 I'll, I'll shoot for this promotion next year. It's okay. And then it never comes around again. So something that Will Smith did that I think I really respected, that I really resonate with is he does things before he's ready. Yeah, for sure. And if you look at all success, I think it's when timing, preparation Mm. and opportunity all combine. Yeah. And we've spoken about this before where even when you look back on life, like one of the things that I really picked up in this book and it got me thinking about is that, in life, you get five, ten pivotal moments. Mm. And I think a lot of the people that we know that have maybe pursued dreams or have surprised themselves with certain achievements were ready when those moments occurred mm. in their life. Whereas if you're not open to them, you can they can pass you by. It's not just open. You've yeah. got to be prepared. And prepared. It's why they say luck is preparation meets opportunity, right? Sure. Mm. So it's 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 about it's about always being prepared. Yeah. You've got to always be prepared. Or, or being in tune with where you're heading and having a little bit of clarity around your objectives and your goals. So you can be yeah, so that the antenna and the GPS is aware when those opportunities are happening. Another thing that you have to mention that the reason why Will Smith was at that mm. party for Quincy Jones yeah. was because his bodyguard. Yeah. What's his bodyguard's name again? I remember. Ah, okay. Cool dude though. Yeah. So his bodyguard was one of his old mates yeah. from, from when he was young. Yeah. His bodyguard would always get him to go to these networking functions. Yeah. Well, he'd go to the Arsenio Hall show. Yes. Which was a really big, it was like the Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Back yeah. in the day where everyone was hanging out. And then Will Smith would just hang out there with his bodyguard and then his bodyguard would bring people over. Hey man, come meet the, come fr- meet like, come meet Will yeah. Smith. He yeah. wasn't Fresh Prince yet. Yeah. And he got that. He got to go to Quincy Jones' party because he met a whole bunch of people at that party. So he wasn't sitting there waiting for an opportunity to happen. He was lucky. He had people around him who pushed him out there to create opportunity. Yeah. So, I mean, he made his own luck. The people around him helped him make his own luck. He, I mean, he wasn't just sitting there waiting. And using his natural charisma. Charisma and talent. Right. Because he always had that. I think he knew from a very early age that if he was in a room, yeah. he would always be one of the more impressive people in that room. And yeah. he'd draw people. He had the magnetism naturally. He doubled down on his yeah. showmanship. 
And again, yeah. when we talk about self-awareness, it's so important to know yeah. what some of your core strengths are. Mm. Again, I think you did that really well with your career. Mm. You're like, okay, I'm going to combine one of my core strengths, which is magic yeah. and performance. Yeah. I'm going to take it to another arena and another game. And that's, again, very similar to what Will Smith is doing, just in a different arena. He was- okay, Well, he took his rapping. I like music. Yeah. But do I love it? I don't know. I can turn this into TV. Yeah. What's the next step? Well, one TV? type of performance into another type of performance. That's right. So what in your life can you look at where you've got some experience, some natural ability, you're in that environment, there's a couple of opportunities. Like when I talk about this, I call it, there's two components. There's collecting the dots, mm-hmm. which is all the little parts and pieces. And a lot of the time, they're not really all that clear. Yeah. And then there's the process of organizing them and connecting the dots. Mm-hmm. And then if you can then combine that with a little bit, of, that becomes your strategy. That mm. becomes the way that you use timing to your favor <clears throat> and opportunity. Because now you have an understanding at any given time that I've got some of these ingredients I've got some of these recipes. I'm just waiting for the moment to be able to execute on them. Something that we both did that gave us lots of dots to connect is we tried a lot of different things. Yeah. I mean, heck, you you started a little burger yeah. business, mm-hmm. right? You, you had all these different ideas. And I think if you don't try lots of things, what that means is you don't have a lot of dots. You don't have a dot. And if you don't have – I mean, imagine trying to connect the dots when there's only one dot. There's nothing to connect. There's nothing to connect. So I think a lot of the times I see a lot of the youth around me. I mean, I do a bit of work with my Vietnamese community and I look at, you know, the kids in my culture where their whole life, all they've known is Kumon classes, studying math, uh, becoming a doctor at the end of that. So they've got one dot. They've got the one sheet. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And if you've got one dot, you can't connect it to other things. So I think a critical component is that, Try lots of different things so that you have lots of different dots. You, you, you can't connect the dots if there's not more than one dot. And the more dots you have, the higher the chance you'll be able to connect the dots. I mean, I've, I, dude, I tried so many different so things. Many. We're, we're laughing off air. We're, we've tried and failed. At, at this podcast, at, at this so, very episode. This episode. What, how many episodes are we in? Like 24? Yeah. Yeah. And this, <laughs> this, this, this one episode alone, we've done three times. <laughs> but this is, this is also the difference, though, is when we looked at each other, it would have been easy to just say, hey, do we record this tomorrow? Yeah. Or do we just give it a miss? Maybe it's not meant to be. Yeah. We're no, we're doing it. We both knew that we're, we're doing, doing it. We're doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Today. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it's the other side is that little combination of persistence. And yeah. Not really caring about the failures like i know we're joking about repeating the bits and pieces but i don't think fundamentally we really care too much about that you know people watched us some people have watched this for an hour where they heard no audio yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) oh those poor buggers but you just need to i think yeah just do stuff the more stuff that you do yeah our analogy is that we like planting seeds yeah, oh, there's something in the book about this. But talk, you keep going with it and I'll find it. And I think you and me are actually a little bit different with how we plant our seeds. Mm-hmm. I like planting them and then sometimes leaving them, coming back to them. Whereas you'll plant that seed and you'll go pretty hard at watering and give it every chance straight off the bat to grow into a tree. Yeah, this is where you're entrepreneur, I'm more artist. Yeah. Because you will plant a hundred different plants, yeah. give every single plant a drop of water, yeah. whereas I'll plant one 
mm-hmm. and just protect this baby, yeah. nurture it every day, you know, yeah. potting mix, yeah. freaking kill You're the weeds the around it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going like, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. You've got a Well, that's because I'm an artist though. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm more artist than I am entrepreneur. You are way more entrepreneur than you are artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we play a different strategy. So again, again, this is all about self-awareness. Yeah, it is. Right? So if you're listening to this, what's your playbook to create these dots? Mm. What are you comfortable with doing? Yeah. Are you more comfortable with honing in on one thing and becoming really good at it? Or are you comfortable with trying a variety of things and then connecting them all so that they equal something that's of value? And the only way you can build more self-awareness is if you have more dots. Yeah. If you don't try a lot of different things, yeah, if you don't, exactly, if you don't have a lot of experiences, I mean, let's take the simple path of if you've never dated anyone and you only dated one person, how do you know what you want? You know, I think it's important for us to have a variety of experiences because then you, even in friendships or in partners, you you start to understand, ah, this is what I want. This is what I'm looking for in a person. Yeah, okay. Well, the, the one that I wanted to look for was this. During good times, plant seeds to nurture the next thing. Mm-hmm. That's something that Will Smith has always yeah. done. Yep. And I mean, he did it in a, in a way that you know, I don't think was, he did it with love. Mm-hmm. Remember that? He, his, he was involved with his first partner, yeah. but she broke his heart mm-hmm. and then he was left with no one, which crushed him. So then his mind was, okay, the next time I'm with someone, if this is started things are good. He kind of sabotaged the relationship because he thought I better find the next person just yeah. in case. Yeah. <laughs> or even though he had this great rapping career, I better start this movie career just yep. in case as well. It's kind of the, the whole Tarzan analogy of, you know, make sure you've got the next branch in sight as you're swinging on this one. Yep. And it's the same analogy as make sure you fix the roof while the sun is still shining. Right? There's quite a few analogies there. Yeah, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same analogy. <laughs> I don't have any more. I've run out. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things where he was always thinking about the next move. He was never complacent, which I thought was really inspiring. And I think you need a variety. I mean, I don't think it's inspiring in terms of don't try to yeah. – I'm not trying to find another wife right yeah. now, yeah. but it's, it's yeah, just from a career point of but view. But it's also different playbooks for different scenarios, mm. right? In my entrepreneurial life, yeah. I have lots of different dots, lots of variety. There's seeds being planted at all different yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in my personal life, I have had one serious relationship. We got married and we've been together for 16 years. Yeah, it's beautiful. So that's certainty and security. You, you find variety in other places. That's right. So you need to know where you sometimes have certainty, where sometimes you have adventure or uncertainty, and then design what? works for you now we're not relationship experts Mm, no definitely not definitely not but do you think that is why sometimes people cheat is because human nature right we we need variety Mm. we all need variety but if you don't get variety in your work if you don't get variety in your personal life where are you gonna get get variety from and then, but because, and, and, and this is not me and you here going, oh, we are such good husbands, no, but I, 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 I'm, I, I, it doesn't interest me. Yeah. It doesn't interest me to yeah. look for cheap thrills. Yeah. I'm just not interested in yeah. that. I'm way more interested in variety in my work, mm-hmm. way more interested in variety in creating content, doing these podcasts with you. And that satisfies the variety element. 
which is why you and I would like, you know, yeah. Yeah, I've never once in our friendship has a woman walk past and we go, oh, wow, look at her. We've never done that once. And this is not to say that, oh, we're virtue yeah. signaling. We're great yeah. men. Yeah. That's never happened between yeah. us. Yeah. It's because when we're chatting, I don't think that's, that's the basis of the communication. Yeah. Right? Like it's more around, okay, well, generally most of our interactions are around learning about life. Yeah. And we're trying to use that time to figure things out. Whether, you know, it's a lot of it's knowledge-based. Yeah. What are we trying to achieve? Who are we trying to become as people? Yeah. Right? Whereas we definitely have friends where we do more of maybe that stuff with, right? Like there's different relationships again Mm. and different strategies and approaches depending on the circumstances. Yeah, but it just made me me wonder that if some people don't get any variety – in life, yeah. they seek variety. Like variety has to come from somewhere. I think it's a pretty core need. Variety. Uh, yeah. I mean, simple thing. So security. If you ate broccoli and rice every day, yeah, it's not sustainable. You need a little bit of. It's like everything, right? You need yeah. there's balance. There's variety. Variety. Yeah. yeah. Humans need that. Yeah. Yeah. It just keeps life fun. For sure. Mm. Okay. Well, uh, what other? What other kind of gold nuggets did you get from from this book? Uh, let's find out. I, I've got another good one. Okay. He, Will Smith references the seven, highly, seven ah, habits of highly yes, effective so people as well. yeah. where he said, there are only two human problems. Mm. One, knowing what you want but not knowing how to get it. Or two, not knowing what you want. Mm. Now, I've read that book, yeah. but I don't remember that. Yeah. <laughs> so when I read that, I was like, oh, damn, yeah. we should revisit that yeah, book. We should do the podcast on that it's book. It's a core book. That's a pretty cool book, yeah. yeah. And I've experienced both. Mm. I've experienced both. Mm. Which one brings you more pain and which one is more relevant to your life right now? Okay, again, I'll re- reframe a few. Mm. A, the first problem is knowing what you want but not knowing how to get it. Does that cause you more pain or does not knowing what you want cause you more pain right now in your life? I think <clears throat> I'm at the stage in life where – I'm pretty good at finding the formula for outcomes. Mm-hmm. So the how doesn't, not difficult. doesn't cause me as much pain. Same. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. I think, and you get that just through repetition. Yeah. Right. Because when you haven't seen the pathways before, mm-hmm. everything looks pretty impossible. Yeah. But once you know how a lot of things are essentially done and how certain out- outcomes eventuate, it's like, okay, well, there's a framework here. Somebody's walked the path. These problems aren't. Think? I, think, I, th- I think the skill of entrepreneurship, yeah. when you learn that skill, it teaches you the how. The how. The how, so, yeah. So the how isn't as hard. Whereas now once you know how to get the hows. What the hell do you want? I think that keeps then changing. Mm. Is now what do you want? So the why and the ongoing process of creating the why is I find pretty difficult at times. I'm definitely the same in the same situation that you're saying is that the knowing what you want and allowing what you want to evolve over time. Yeah. That's hard because it's weird, right? We, we are constantly evolving as human beings yet some reason we view ourselves as a permanent fixture. Sometimes this is who I am. 
That's a very permanent kind of statement. Yeah. Whereas, no, this is who I am for now. This is who I am today. And when we look at ourselves, we look at ourselves as being something that's permanent, but we're not permanent. We're forever evolving. And I don't think we account for that. It's very hard to keep transforming. Oh, yeah, because it's painful. Extremely difficult. And especially when you attach your identity to some of the roles that you play. Mm. And then to really question those and to then change them. Yeah. Right? Like, like say if Elon Musk wants to become chef, a stand-up comedian. Okay, yeah, that's tough. Okay, next, next week. Mm. It's going to be very hard to let go of Elon Musk as the Iron Man, the real-life Iron Man, or mm. the guy who's going to go to Mars, whatever it is. So I think that becomes really important to have certain things in your life where they're not attached to the role that you play mm. on a day-to-day basis because maybe that provides opportunities for transformation. Like it's why I love doing this podcast. Mm. It would be very easy to be uncomfortable in this environment because I think this is your world. Yeah. Right? I like talking. Speaking. <laughs> yeah. Whereas I know that refining this skill mm. is something that helps me a lot in my world. Mm. But this also provides me with a different perspective on things than my usual day-to-day world as well. So then it's like, okay, well, it's not just Ali as CEO of the company. It's like, okay, well, you can play around with Ali podcast host. Yeah. Or you can play around with Ali the writer or whatever it's going to be. But that that becomes a difficult thing, especially when people have expectations Mm. of what they feel that you should be focusing on and what you should be doing. So that makes part two very difficult because it can hamper true growth and curiosity. And I find that there's nearly an option three as well with that question, which is how do you even get past just your needs and wants? Is there another layer beyond that, which is then just experiencing life without too much desire and focus on external outcomes? Because at times I think it becomes after a certain point, like if you just keep, if, if all it is is knowing how to do things and figuring out what you want, at what point does that end? Mm. It gets pretty difficult to then keep finding things that are better than the last thing, better than the last thing, harder. Like you can only climb Everest. Yeah. Everest is only so high. Like what happens once you climb your version of Everest? How do you create another Everest? Should you create another Everest? Well, it's like Will Smith. It's movie after movie after yeah. movie after movie yeah. after movie. Is it just going to keep being movies? Well, what, what, well now well, it's a book. Yeah, now it's a book. And oh. then, mm. So does that just become an insatiable desire to keep fulfilling material outcomes? It, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I like I mentioned to you that I'm still very well stuck in that material game. Where it's like, let's get the bigger house. Let's get the nicer car. Let's keep playing that game. And I, t- I told you, my, my mom came over the other day and she was like, and it was just kind of unexpected. You know, my mom come o- comes over and she sits down. She goes, oh, hey, are you free? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Let's, let's have a chat. So, so I made her a coffee and we sat down and we started speaking. And she goes, hey, I just wanted to, I just want to sit you down. I just want you to be careful that you don't fall for this trap. 
the trap of just continually upgrading a car or upgrading a house. And because I, I've been sitting there getting a little bit bored with some of my goals and going, maybe we should get a big house, you know? And then she just goes, but that's an easy goal. It's easy to go, oh, let's just get a big house. Because all of a sudden now, I don't have to think anymore. I don't have to go through the pain of going, what do I want next? Oh, no, just, just, just reach for the lowest hanging fruit, bigger house, better car. And then now my, my monkey brain, I switched it off. And now I'm just, again, in let's compete with the Joneses mode. Yeah. Whereas she was saying, hey, why don't you sit a while longer and go, what do you really want? But dude, I'm scared of that. And I don't know why I'm scared of it. Am I scared of doing the work? Yep. Am I scared because I don't know the answer? I think that's probably why. Exactly. It's because I don't know, man. Yeah. And that makes me, that kind of makes me scared. Right? Yeah. It's true. And it's awesome self-awareness. Yeah. And it would have been very easy to again, just be like, Hey mom, what are you talking about? Like, these are my dreams. I want to do that. And I think one of the things that I'm looking at, I don't know whether this applies or not. Okay. But it's fine to have the dream for the new house, Mm -hmm. but how does it fit into your bigger picture? So if I'm looking at things that I'm doing nowadays, I'm looking at multiple angles. So it's more like holistic action Mm. where it's like, okay, if I'm building this world, yeah, it can't just be because there's an end goal. And it can't be just very singular in its focus because I now know that that's going to be relatively empty, mm. right? Like we were talking about it before. There's the philosophical triangle yeah. around discipline, education, and love. Yeah. Whereas I think that it's very easy just to look at things very single-minded. And setting a goal like getting a new house, it's, it, it's not an easy goal, mm-hmm. but it's, it's an easy target. And well, it's, it's measurable and you can pin on that and then maybe deep down you know that it's going to drive you to take more action, to create, to but, well, inspire, to connect. I didn't mean it was an easy yeah. goal in that it's an easy financial thing to no, achieve. No, 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 I didn't mean that. Yeah. I meant it's easy in a sense that I no longer have to sit with myself and really think yeah. about what I want. Well, it's an easy Everest. Yes. It's well, still an Everest. It's still an Everest, yeah. but it, it requires less critical thinking, That's right. less self-examination, less self-discovery. Yeah. It's just kind of going, it, it's like the typical thing. Yeah. Hey, what do you value most in your life? Family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's such a simple cool. one to reach for. For sure. And, and work. And, yeah. The number one thing, people are like, I need to get this salary. Yeah. If I get this salary, I'll be happy. Everything but, will, I'll achieve all everything in my life. But that doesn't take into account Same the team, thing. the growth, all the other little bits and pieces that go in that, that are so important as part of that journey to make it a satisfactory one. Well, the same thing happened to Will Smith. Yeah. Right. Will Smith, I remember he, I mean, the, the story that comes to mind was like wildly, dude, he multi, yeah. just so incredibly successful. And then he, he creates this incredible birthday for Jada yeah. where he gets a documentary crew. That, to make re- a, that story reminded me so much of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done something <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. So let me tell the story, right? Okay. So what he did was he, he knew that Jada really loved yeah. her grandmother and then he realized that the family had some video footage of the grandmother that Jada didn't know about. So then he got a documentary crew to create a full <laughs> documentary about her life, her grandmother's life. And then he planned this incredible 50th birthday, I think it was, and then flew all the friends out to this island. 
had incredible experiences, incredible meals. And at the end of it was this epic screening of this documentary of Jada's grandmother's life with footage Jada's never seen before. And while he does all of this, all of his friends, they're saying, oh, I hope you, you know, the, the, the friends were saying to the husbands, yeah. you better give me a, yeah. a Will Smith 50th as well. Yeah. And at the end of that night, Jada loses her shit at him yeah. and says, this was the biggest display of ego ever. Yeah. This wasn't my birthday. This was a Will Smith parade. Yeah. <laughs> and they full blown argument. Yeah. And it goes to show that, like that's that's a trap that I would very easily fall for. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It, it, it's like what she really wanted wasn't that. Mm. Yeah, was that more about him? Yeah. Or was it about her? It was more about him. Yeah. Whereas it was about him showcasing how epic of a husband he was. Yeah. And when I read that, I went, oh, damn. I've done similar things. <laughs> but Paywen loved it though. Yeah. I bloody cool. hope so, yeah. right? Because what I did was, I, you know, I, I arranged an epic engagement that you know, I flew all our friends from Malaysia over and everything. But he's, the foundations of his relationship at that point weren't strong. Yeah. I think if they were super connected and it wasn't just this gesture yeah. without all – like there was other issues, under, was other whistles. underlying yeah, issues. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. And all he did was the icing on the cake without actually building the cake. But see, that, that's an example to me of reaching for something that's easy. Mm. But look, right now, if I wanted to plan for Pei Wen, a birthday party, it's easy to do something extravagant. Yeah. What's harder is really sitting down and thinking, what's really important to my wife right now in her life? Do you, know what I'm, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to link that to what I'm saying is yeah. that back to what we said. One of the biggest pains is knowing what you want in life. Mm-hmm. And you were saying that, is it always about what you want? Do you just continually play that game over and over and over and over again? What's above that? Yeah. It's getting philosophical. I don't know. It is getting very philosophical. Yeah. Um. It, it, we said this in one of the very first episodes we spoke. We talked, uh, we, we, one of our very first episodes. We said that it's more important to continually question what is life about. Yeah. The purpose of life is, is I don't think, really to find an answer, mm. but it's to continually question it. I think so. And as you continually question it, you build on the meaning of life. And it's not about reaching the answer. It's like... Even again, when you look at all of these stories, they yeah. come down to one or two things. Yeah. What was the transformation? Yeah. What did I learn? Mm. Did I explore curiosity? Mm. Did I have love in my life? Did I impact? Mm. Because I think that's the biggest thing. If you think about everything that even we discuss, a lot of it's around trying to find meaning mm. in what we do and how we do it. And that's the journey that we're kind of sharing with people and that we're on ourselves personally mm. is yeah. The, how do you turn information into applicable knowledge that improves this experience? Mm. That's kind of the game to me anyway. And then when you start looking at it like that, it's not as much then about the outcomes. Like when you really do hone in into the journey component of this experience and the learning component of it. Mm. So then the outcomes just are the outcomes. It is what it is. 
it's more about yeah the process and what it then feels like. I'm still very attached to outcomes. Yeah, like I think we the outcomes do point us in the right direction though because they're mm. validation that there's progress being made. So the outcomes are always really important. Mm. Setting the goals and the objectives is key because they provide the structure and the direction. Mm. But if you're only fixated on the outcome and if you have it in your head that if I achieve this outcome, I'll be happy, I think there's enough evidence that shows that the it's world the doesn't case. really work like mm, that. Yeah, it doesn't. It's very yeah. fleeting. Yeah, it is if that's the only thing that's going to bring you happiness because you're not solving the core root of the problem Mm. because there's still a lack of awareness around, okay, well, what is it that you really do want and what feelings are you trying to cultivate through those actions? That's Mm. a really hard part about life. That's why the practice of happiness is actually very difficult. Yeah. You know, like we speak about it all the time. It's like to actually just live in peace and be satisfied is one of the hardest things to do as a human being. It's super difficult. How funny is that? Mm. Being happy is one of the most difficult things. Yeah. Cool. But yeah. it's also one of the simplest things because you look at our kids, mm. right? They do it. They do it all the time. I mean, I watch Xander and all he needs, I remember Paywen just planted a rose and we had one of the branches we broke off and we let him play with it. Boom. Yeah. And then the reason he loved it so much was because Zelda, our new little white German shepherd puppy, would chase him with it and try to bite it. An hour and a half of fun. Perfect. An hour and a half of joy. So good. Yeah. Romeo the other day had a toothpaste box <laughs> and a beetle inside it. He just was imaginary stories with him and the beetle. And then the beetle finally escaped. And that was the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to us as adults? Well, Always think about it, right? Like we're called human beings, yeah. but we get trained to become human doings. And then we just keep doing stuff and it goes without our being. We're just doing. Yeah, we don't. It's really hard to just be. Again, we go philosophical. Yeah. All right. Uh, Next point in the book this uh, wonderful memoir of okay. Will Smith. I like this. He says, My imagination is my gift. And when it merges with my work ethic, I can make money rain from the heavens. (laughs) But a big part of his story is around creating worlds. Mm. And this is something that I really like and resonate to because even a core part of his journey is he used performance to escape a lot of his hardships. Yeah. And then I was thinking back, I'm like, okay, what have I done in my life to escape my hardships? I'm like, yeah, probably negotiating, entrepreneurship, because I wanted to create value or worlds that just never really existed mm-hmm. prior to change an environment or change an outcome. So I don't know, what, what's that like for you? When, when you think about how you grew up, mm-hmm. what did you use to kind of change your world? And You know what's really weird? I remember something that I I don't think I've ever brought up before. When I was about seven or eight years old, year two or year three, I remember being a huge loser in the class. Just quiet, no one ever paid me attention, bad at sports, et cetera. And I really liked this girl named Sky. And I just remember she had beautiful blonde hair and I just – And she would never pay any attention to me. And my reality was so crap that when I would go home, 
I would imagine, this is, this is going to sound like I'm a psychopath, but I would go home and I would imagine a world where in this world, in this school, I was the king yeah. and she loved me. <laughs> and I'd fantasize about this world. Yeah. And I literally would live in this world and I'd, I'd act it out with little Legos. <laughs> and that world was so real to me and I hid in that world. Where in this world, Sky loved me. And I was the king and she was my queen. And I hid in that world. Yeah. And around the same time, my dad got me a Super Nintendo. And very quickly, I left that imagination world and I escaped in the gaming world. Yeah, yeah. Mortal Kombat, go-karting. So I found escapisms where I didn't create the world like you. You created the worlds for yourself to be able to escape into. Yeah. At that point for me, when I was young, I couldn't, I didn't know how to create those worlds. So I escaped in worlds that gamers created for me or or in my own imagination, I escaped into this imaginary world. And I did that a lot when I was young, man. I I created fake believe worlds. I even did this. I even to my cousins, I remember telling my cousins that I knew the Power Rangers. Yeah. I told them I knew the Power Rangers. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're we're friends, man. It's all good. But I created those worlds so that I felt a sense of importance. Yeah, so sad. No, but I think it's imagination though. It's yeah. how we, if you think about transformation, it's how we transform is via imagination. But when we're kids, it's not really refined. Yeah. I think a lot of kids, I remember being a kid and always, you, you want to play the hero story. Mm-hmm. Like I remember a similar thing when I was in probably grade one or two, where you used to like picture this thing where, robbers would come to the school and try to steal stuff and then I would fight them off and save the day and then the principal would celebrate the heroic gesture, right? I was like the tiniest kid ever. Like, that's never going to play out like that. But I think that's what we do. We we think of- But I but did you do that to the max? Not to the max. I did it to the max. I, I remember another one that's freaking weird. <laughs> so uh, this is not eight or seven or nine, Okay. <laughs> This Last is week. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. This is when I was, I was like 13 or 14, yeah. fully infatuated with the scale. I'll leave a name out of it, right? Yeah. Fully infatuated with it. Liked it for years, man. Yeah. And then in my own head, I liked it so much that in my own head, I played out the story that we were dating mm. to the point where I became delusional about it. Yeah. And I started telling some of my friends that, yeah, we're actually dating. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. And then. Like it was, it just wasn't true. <laughs> yeah. But you wanted it to be true. I wanted it to be so true, so bad. Yeah. And I escaped into a world that I'd created in my mind out of desperation for this yeah. love and lust for this girl yeah. that I painted a, a BS story yeah. that I got caught out on and, you know, really upset her in the end. And so ruined the friendship, ruined the everything that everything there is with that person. But yeah, when, when you brought this up, I went, well, I actually created a great world. Yeah. And, and then as an entrepreneur, I've now created a world for me to be able to live in, in the way that I want. And you do it with more finesse. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. As you were saying that story, it's the skill that you were practicing was refining delusion. <laughs> <laughs> Learning how to, Learning how to make my imagination reality. Reality, right. And that's, I think Will Smith says it in the book as well. There's a very thin line within 
being a genius and delusion. And just being a psychopath. Right? I mean, he mentions that. It's it's not that far. Think about every entrepreneur that's famous. Yeah. Right? The only difference is that whatever thing that they were thinking about that was so ridiculous to everyone else, they actually pulled it off. Yeah, yeah, Whereas yeah, there's yeah, another yeah. thousand that had the same idea. that and they were just delusional. Yeah, you were just delusional. Yeah, so, well, one's inspiring because the delusion yeah. came re- true and then one's, the others are just delusional because it never The only came difference true. is one manifests. Yeah, the one other, made it and one didn't. One remains a dream. Yeah. I, I remember the story Will Smith shared where those big wheels, he had this image in his head yeah. where all the kids around his neighborhood got a big wheel right? The, 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 these little tricycles. Yeah. And he was going to get this completely different bike that was bright red, that had all the, you know, all the bells and whistles. And he was going to ride his big red bike and everyone was going to be like, damn, that's a sick bike, man. And then he was going to ride through. They're going to part ways. He was going to come. He was going to be leader of the yeah. pack. Yeah. He played that out in his head. Yeah. The actual day came along. He took his bike out and they all laughed at him. <laughs> and that's when he realized as well. I think when I realized as well that you can't, you can't just play out this story in your head. Mm. You have to take some real actions in the real world to make these dreams come true. Mm. You know, it's, life isn't the secret. You can't just wish for the bike, wish for the bike, wish for the bike, and then, oh, here's a bike. No, you need to go and actually make it happen. I think the other lesson there is that it's always a bit risky mm. when the vision is about impressing somebody else mm-hmm. or it's dictated around how somebody else is going to react to the actions that you take. Yeah. Because that story could have been really cool if he just rode his bike and you're still really happy with how he rode his bike. Yeah, but he wanted everyone to he be wanted in awe. everyone else to part yeah. and to awe. And, and I think that's, I personally, mm. I don't think it ever meets the expectations. If you have it in your head that if I just do this one thing, yeah, my wife or my partner is going to be so amazed that they're yeah. going to shower me with adoration and love. The likelihood is it's probably going to be a little bit more disappointing than yeah. what you expect because generally speaking, you're going to care more about what you do than what other people will unless it impacts them yeah. greater than it impacts you. Mm. Back to the original point though, mm. creating worlds. Mm. We create worlds when we're young, many different worlds. While we're playing with Lego, we create a world. And when we go to bed and we dream, we create worlds. We stop creating worlds as we get older yeah. because I feel we, we, we start to form the belief that it's impossible to create the world that we want. Yeah. Too many constraints. Everything's too hard. Mm. And I think that's it's a little bit sad, right? Yeah. Because Will Smith created the world and in that world – so many of his friends got to go on the ride and be a part of this world. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I mean, it's not, 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 not here trying to say that everyone should try to create a world, but it's just because to create your own world is difficult, man. Well, one yeah. of the things that the word that we have for it is we call people visionaries or they have vision mm, yeah. or they have strategy. Yep. I think they're generally the people that create, naturally create, call it worlds if we're going to stick with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Analogy, okay. Right? Like, so we're in Will Smith's ecosystem, he was the person with the vision that was creating the world. Yeah. And then he was bringing everyone along for the ride with that. Yeah. But then all those individuals in that world 
would have also had their own version of the world that they were creating. And then they probably had other people on the ride on it. So mm. it kind of cascades. It becomes it can become a really beautiful thing. Yeah. If the ship's going in the same direction and people are growing and learning and everyone in the world is happy and healthy. It's awesome. Then you're Will Smith and you're you're playing that role that he wants to play. The thing that I think Will Smith had conflict with is sometimes when you create worlds, there's going to be people that don't like the world that you're creating. Yeah. But you really want them to like that world. Well, that's what happened with his wife. That's what happened. He wanted to buy the massive farm. He wanted to buy the massive farm that had a, the, the property had a name and he wanted to buy the lake for his wife mm-hmm. to make her happy. And, and she, she, from the get-go, told him she didn't want it. Yeah. But everyone had to get on the Will Smith train. If you run on the train, you get left behind. And I think that's – it's kind of dangerous. It is. And I think later in the book he speaks about his relationship. Yeah. He says that they learned that the reality – like for to cultivate a really strong relationship, it's not about impressing each other and mm. doing all these things. It's about figuring out how we become – essentially it's around figuring out how do we become the best versions of who we are. And then we get to exist together without well- – I've got a part of that yeah. where, where it says we agreed that Jada's happiness had to be her own responsibility and my happiness had to be my responsibility. We were going to seek our distinct innermost personal joys and then we were going to return and present ourselves to the relationship and to each other already happy, not coming to each other, begging with empty cups, demanding the other person fulfill our needs. We felt that this vampiric, Relational model was unfair, unrealistic, destructive, and even abusive. To place the responsibility for your happiness in anybody's, or uh, to place the responsibility for your happiness on anybody other than yourself is a recipe for misery. But I think that's a lot of the times, I, I think back to some of my early relationships, I did come to that going, hey, you fill my cup. Yep. You're responsible for making me happy. Yeah. You know, why are you going out with your friends tonight? you should be here filling my cup tonight, making me happy. And I think that was really insightful the way he put it because it's so easy, I think, in a relationship when you've been married for a while. I mean, I've been married now since 2015. Mm-hmm. How, when were you married? Uh, oh, on the spot. Yeah, that was 11 years ago. 11 years, okay. So we've been together 16. Okay. So – it's so easy in a marriage to just kind of clump together as one and lose our individuality. It takes a lot to maintain your individuality in a relationship. But I think when you come together and you have no more individuality and you're just kind of, it's so easy then to now be so interconnected that you rely on the other person for your happiness. Whereas when you still have your own individuality, you still have your own responsibility that me being happy is my responsibility. You being happy is your responsibility. I love that take. It's so fresh. And we come together and we are already happy. Yeah, definitely. And I think you and Chantel do that really well. Because we're so different. Yeah. We've always had to Yeah, in a way because we're aligned in really key areas. Yeah. But I think individually we're quite different people. Yeah in what we like, the things that we do, very different. Well, you, you, you are not the couple that has to do everything no. together 24-7. For sure. 
Like yeah. a big part of our, like when we're the best, it's we're being individually our truer selves, mm. but then we're combining the best parts of who we are together for the unit, for the family, for our relationship. And when we have that and it's based on like abundance and, you know, looking at the upside and each other's growth and potential, it's a beautiful thing because it's, it then means that the relationship isn't based on fear. And a lot of relationships are based on a contract of fear. Mm. Can you tell me more about that? So if you think about even marriage at its core, it's like, Hey, you sign up to this contract. Yeah. We're the only ones that, you know, we're each other's person, Mm -hmm. death do us part, sickness Mm -hmm. and in health. Mm -hmm. It's like a nine, it's the nine to five version of a relationship Mm -hmm. that we've all been trained to live in. Mm -hmm. And maybe that worked 60, 70 years ago Mm -hmm. when we needed structure, we needed security and the times were different and gender roles were different, Mm -hmm. but it's nearly an outdated model Mm. for today's world where everyone's individual, everyone's on their own journey. There is a pretty good security net generally speaking, in most parts of the world, right? Like the world's changed a little bit and I don't think it paints as inspiring and a compelling picture yeah. to tell people, hey, we, you signed up for this contract. You better do this, this, and this, and I'll do this, this, and this, and then we'll be happily married. I don't think it's as simple as that because it's a deficit model. It, it, like a lot of it's actually designed around diminishing it's like, okay, well, I'll sacrifice this. You sacrifice this. I'll sacrifice this. I'll sacrifice this. We'll keep trading off until mm. we're both at a spot. And, and then arguments happen when there's an imbalance in sacrifice. That's right. It's like, hang on a second. It's a sacrifice. I was game. looking after the kids. That's right. And now you're off doing this with your friends. It becomes listing things, right? Yeah. Well, I do this, this, and this. You do this, this, and this. Right. You stop doing that. Yeah, so yeah. So you're not pulling your weight. Whereas there's another side to it yeah. potentially where it's around, okay, well, instead of us having to trade off, yeah, yeah, how can we make compromises, but we actually are building the pie? Well, how can we create more win-wins? Why does it have Way to be negative-negative? Negative? That's right. Why does it have to be lose-lose? Well, Why can't it be win-wins? You know, like, yeah, it's like, because, and then if you're in any environment where it's growing and that pie is growing and the mutual value is growing, yeah. give, the odds of it succeeding are probably a lot higher. Well, I can tell you now that like right now you and I are in the middle of a retreat. Yeah. We're currently away. You know, you're in Adelaide. Yeah. You know, you're away from your wife and kids. So am I. Mm-hmm. We're taking like a nice week away and, and really setting our goals moving forward, trying to get a glimpse into what's the next five years for Vin, what's the next five years for Ali. Mm-hmm. I can tell you now, I've been in previous relationships where I would have not dared. Yeah. I mean, just I chose my words very carefully there. I wouldn't have even dared to raise this. And ask if I can go because I was in a state of fear. And it's so weird thinking that because, wow, that would have sucked being in that relationship. Like if, if I wasn't able to do this right now, like that would just suck so bad. Why is it so fear driven? I mean, what traps us in that? Because I think we think that if if we go and be if, if we go and become individuals mm. and we pursue that, there's maybe a human nature component where it's like, okay, well, if you go off on that journey, you won't want to come back. Mm. Again, fear based. It's fear based. 
Yeah. It's about control and fear. It's a bit like relationships that there's a lot of jealousy and possessiveness. Mm. People generally don't like speaking about those relationships. Like if you think about it, how much do people showcase it? Oh, yeah, like my partner is so chilled. They're so comfortable. They let me do these things. They, they're the things that get celebrated. Like if you're in a fear-based relationship where it's like, oh, I better not be out. I'm going to get in trouble for being out. Yeah. I went and did this. Like, okay, well, you're probably not going to – Speak about it as much, maybe. Mm. Again. Well, I think I think it's about yeah. having the courage to be able to communicate to your partner yeah. what your needs and wants actually are mm. and giving each other space to still be individuals mm. and get out of that sacrifice mentality. I grew up in a family where my parents used that word a lot. We broke our backs for you. Yeah. We escaped a war for you. Everything was sacrifice language so that it made me feel like, oh, that's what being a parent is about. Being a parent is all about sacrifices. I think it was true for my parents, but in the generation that we're in now, we don't necessarily have to sacrifice everything for our children. Why can't our children enhance our lives and make our lives better as opposed to, oh, I sacrifice everything for yeah. you. And then you put that weight on your kids. On the, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah it's, I think it's a little bit of a cop-out, to be honest. Mm. Because if you – every time – like I, I try to avoid that word. Sacrifice. That I sacrifice something for you. Yeah, me too. Because it's, it's martyrdom. It is. Really. Like you're making – you're putting a weight on somebody else. Mm. Just because you couldn't figure it out or you didn't take control of that situation. Well, you didn't take risks and to, you, you didn't try to pursue right. your dreams. That's right. Well, Carl Jung's quote, the greatest burden a child must bear is the unlived life of its parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the old school way. Yeah, it was the old school way. And a lot of times that sacrifice is genuine, but I just don't know how it's productive. Right? Because it's not like – Maybe it's designed to inspire, but I'm not sure if it does. Mm. It still seems a little bit. Yeah, well, I'm just really trying to get at the whole relationship thing because I wonder where it comes from that that I, I, I again, I'm, 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 you know, sharing a thought here is that I, I, I never, I never knew it was a normal thing to be able to go away on my own, mm. and I didn't, I wasn't introduced to this whole concept until I met you. Yeah. I thought every holiday I go on, I really should be going on it with my family. Yeah. And then here this guy is. Yeah. I'm like, hey, man, what are you up to? He goes, oh, yeah, I'm in New York. I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, what, what are you doing with the kids? Uh, I'm this, I'm, it's just me. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Who is this guy? Why is he doing this? Yeah. How is he allowed to do this? Again, the language of allowed. Yeah. Because to me, this was such a foreign concept. And now I've been doing it for years with you. And it's just, it's make, it, it makes me a better man. It makes me a better husband. It makes me a better father. It makes me a better son. It makes me a better person. Because in doing this, I'm acknowledging that I need to look after myself first before I'm able to look after those around me best. And just executing it as well, you've got to be smart about it in a way because mm. i remember when i first started doing it like i knew that just the way that i've grown up i always need a little bit of time by myself i need different environments yeah they energize me they inspire re- you yeah inspire they refresh it it's it's all of these little bits and pieces yeah but at the beginning i didn't understand how to communicate it mm. 
because all I knew is that I got this desire. I need to get away <laughs> for a bit, and yeah, that led to like feelings of abandonment. Yeah, absolutely. because it's like okay, well, I'm just like I'm out for a bit, but then I'll come back, right? Whereas it took a little bit of time to then understand what it was that was actually happening. So mm. I think communicating it, and again, this is where you're really great at it. Yeah, communication. It's, you know that. Okay, well, the reason why I'm going away yeah. is because I'm going to get refreshed and I want yeah. to become a better parent and I want to become a better husband. I'm not going just to escape the family. Yeah, no. Right? And even this, like you, you think about this trip, like Paywen made us a getaway pack. There's yeah. cooked food. Like, Dude, there's do you know how happy that makes me? That's like vibing around you're not stressed out that you yeah. need to go back. Because there's no guilt again, trip. It diminishes the experience, right? In my past relationships, yeah. there'll be passive aggression mm-hmm. And I'd feel guilty the whole time I'm away. Whereas, like you said, this time Pewen made us a, yeah. a lamb curry. Yeah. She gave me a full pack of things that you and I and all the rest of the guys will be joining us yeah. tomorrow yeah. will enjoy. I, I, I've never, you know, it's funny, but I've never felt so empowered mm. and free. And I love my wife so much for that. Mm. I didn't know a relationship could be this. Yeah. I really didn't, man. Yeah. And even yeah. today, like I was on the flight about to take off and then got a call, needed something picked up, a message Chantel. And she's like, yeah, I'll go pick it up for you tomorrow. And just these little acts, like, again, it, it creates these opportunities outside of the norm mm. where you can then just appreciate the person, not because you're contractually obliged to. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's not that we're both coming together to sacrifice and lose who we are. It's like Will Smith says in the book, right? We're coming to each other with our cups full. That's right. And I'm not making it your sole responsibility to fill my cup. But you're saying, hey, I'll fill part of your cup, but you go out there and you fill your cup yourself. Yeah. But, I, but I'm also responsible. Like, Paywen is still responsible for filling part of my cup, mm. but I don't put all of it on her. No. I think that's not – because – that's messed up. That's a recipe for misery, like he said. And I mean, you look at one of the guys who's optimized life to the absolute maximum. And he's telling you this doesn't work. Yeah. I think there's, there's a lot of wisdom there that, that yeah. when you read about how he approached his marriage and his relationship, there's a lot to take from it. Yeah. And it's interesting because you're watching a celebrity's relationship play out in the public eye. Yeah, right? you can see it happen. Whereas, and, and they're pretty controversial at yeah. times. Some people are like, hey, you guys are oversharing. Like celebrities don't really do this. And other people are like, oh, this is amazing. Like we're actually getting to see an insight into how to, yeah, maybe not have the perfect Hollywood romance, but what the reality is maybe. Yeah, like, what is it actually And how like? do you actually work on it? So again, very interesting topics that he covers in that book yeah yeah look i mean i i found this book inspiring in that it lifted the curtain Mm. on someone that i thought was so perfect yeah someone that i thought made no mistakes someone that i thought was always happy and then learning that that's actually not the case illusion it's an illusion Mm. And it's so easy to just look at someone like that and go, oh, God, you know, just, yeah, just got a perfect, made. Life. perfect life, this bastard, and you get all envious and jealous. And then you realize that they're suffering. 
I remember that. Well, I guess this is one we can almost end on as well. But I remember that one story when he realized that I'm living for others and seeking the approval of others. And this one time where he wanted to live for himself, where he said, you know what? I'm going to go to the gym tonight. And he got to the gym. Mm. And this, this kid immediately goes, oh, Will, hey, man, you got to do a video for me. Uh, you know, my brother's got Down syndrome and my brother just loves what you do. You're the only thing that makes him happy. Can you do this video for me? And he said, no. He goes, why, man? And the Will Smith goes, and I reached so deep in me to give the truest answer I can give. And the answer was, because I don't want to, man. And the one time he voiced what he wanted, that kid left and said, what the hell's wrong with you, man? Shattered. Shattered. He went back, didn't train. He cried that night. And I think the reason I bring this up is because I think often we don't have the courage to share with those around us what we truly desire. It's like that quote where they say, most men live in quiet desperation. We're so afraid to share with those around us what we truly want. That's scary. And I think you've got to start slowly. You can't just immediately go, oh, I feel so inspired. I'm going to go back and tell my partner that I'm going to leave for a whole week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where you got to do that slowly, but don't, don't leave it too long. Just, mm. it's nearly finding that balance of being who you are, but making that work with your environment. Yeah. And that's a gradual thing because if you go too far either way, it doesn't work. Yeah. Like you could definitely be who you want, but it might mean that you might alienate everyone in well, your current circle. Well, and be, then that's going to be challenging for you to navigate. So you've got to be very comfortable yeah. with taking that step mm. or you can do it a little bit gradually where step by step, mm. you just find a little bit more of yourself. But I think that happens to especially a lot of people that I know when they hit like their thirties, mid thirties, because life's so intertwined with other people. Yeah. There's like a group identity. There's the parental identity. There's Mm. the work identity. There's Mm. the role you play as a partner. So it can be pretty easy to lose yourself. Oh yeah. It's very, it becomes another practice. And I think all of these things that we're talking about in all of the episodes, they're all just about practicing certain things that you need to do at a different time. Man, you just reminded me, Will Smith was playing a character and he got so wrapped up in playing that character, he forgot who Will Smith was. Yeah. And he came home Method to his acting. wife playing that character. And I think what you said there was so powerful in that we play so many different characters that sometimes we lose track of who we truly are. Wow. And there'll be certain things that you do. Mm. It might be with your partner. It might be with your friends. It might be traveling, hiking by yourself. But you get that little feeling where it's like, ah, this is who I am. Yeah. And you get to taste that. Or that moment. Hang on to those things. And then you hang on to those things. You got to try to hang on and communicate its importance, you know, to, to, to the ones you love and, and, and have the courage to share that with them that, hey, this brings me so much joy and help your partner, help those around you find their versions of that, you know. You know, this, this book has been, has been such a roller coaster, right? Career advice, relationship advice, purpose, looking for purpose. Uh, it's an amazing read. I think if you if you're looking for a book that gives advice in almost 360, 
this is a great one for you to consider. Yep. Yeah. Any, any final words as we uh, round out this episode? I think that was perfect. You wrapped it up, my friend. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for joining us for this podcast for the third time. Those of you who joined three times, it's a great book. I highly recommend it. Grab the audio book. I'm going to listen to the audio book yeah, after yeah. this because I missed out on that. But again, thanks, everyone. Appreciate you joining us for this podcast. See you again soon. Hi, hello, it's Vin. Thank you so much for listening to the Vin and Ali show. We've created something that we're really excited about and we want to share it with you. It's called Recalibrate. It's a 12-step process that helps you create more clarity and more alignment in your life. It's the exact approach that both Ali and I have been using to live happier lives and to achieve all of our wildest dreams in the last seven years. It's been crazy. Being one of our loyal listeners, we wanted to share a special something with you. Visit recalibrate.online forward slash Vin and Ali to access the course for 70% off. I hope you will check it out.